up in the sky, that's no Mysterian spaceship. It's not a fiery planetoid. No, this time around, Toho has finally a villain worthy of their now heroic monster. And it's time for it to get its own titular movie. This is Kaiju versus History, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Welcome back to Kaiju versus History, Movies versus Monsters, Dai Kaiju versus Cinema, Titans of Legend and Legendary Titanic Films and Beasts. This is Patrick, and joining me is the co-host with Comos, Miles. How are you, Miles? I am excited. I am always happy to get back to a Godzilla film. <laughs> <laughs> and and like I I very much enjoyed last week's movie, despite the rating I gave it. But there's just always something for me that is comforting about watching a Showa era Godzilla film. Even, even some of the lesser ones, I just, it's, it's, it's chicken soup for my soul. Yeah. No, the, the, the quote unquote lesser ones are the ones that people don't like. Any, I would say almost any 60s kaiju film, even if it's bad, it's good. If that makes sense, like the mm-hmm. bad ones are enjoyable in their badness, and the good ones are enjoyable in their goodness. And I will say, 1964's Gitara, I think has a little bit of both. It it does. This is an interesting one because it's. I mean, obviously, you have the introduction of one of the I would say biggest villains in kaiju history. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the most popular. One and the, one of the tallest, one of the, the biggest that way. <laughs> well, yes, uh, a, one that has, uh, you know, tra- transcended every medium, just like Godzilla and Mothra and Rodan has appeared on both sides of the pond in their versions of these monster movies. And is one that I feel like sometimes gets a little overhyped and sometimes doesn't get enough credit. And so this this is an interesting movie because. My memories of watching Ghidorah movies really come from everything afterwards. I don't think I watched this movie until I was probably a late teens or even an adult mm-hmm. when they first did that reissue of Gojira in 2004 and they released a box set that included Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. I'm pretty sure that was the first time I watched that movie. Yeah. Even I though I feel like the, the Empress subplot feels so familiar anyway. Well, you know, so much of that plot feels like some of the story elements from Godzilla versus Biollante, you know, the mm. the assassin of this new, <laughs> like, made up foreign nation, you know, coming in to 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 take out someone that felt familiar because of that for me. I don't think I'd have ever seen this movie all the way through, to be honest. I thought I did when I went in and did some clips from it but i think i might be supplanting some bits of astro monster and yes uh later destroy all monsters for for this movie instead so i think this is my first full watch through and i've gone through the japanese and the english dub versions to to really soak it in and I I just watched the dub one, and this one uh, Crystal watched with me, and she had the best time. 
Oh my um, goodness. It's... Mostly because she she finds, and I agree with her, she finds the 60s kaiju suits to be adorable. <laughs> she thinks every single monster in here should be a pet. <laughs> um, and yeah. and ha- so it was fun watching it with her because she was having a great time with it. Mm-hmm. And I always love when other people kind of come to these movies leave their expectations at the door and just enjoy them and so it was really really fun to watch that because i mean you know you show, you show some of these movies to some people and they just fix it on on the 60s effects or oh this is so cheesy these suits look so fit blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and and I, I i can't not look at these movies without a sense of whimsy and so it, it was a lot of fun going back to this one and before we talk about the movie itself, Patrick, as you always do, you've got to let us know what's in a title. So once again, there's a lot about this title. First off, this is a Godzilla movie, and Godzilla is not in a title. And do you know how often that happens? Somewhat frequently. No, <laughs> almost never again. Besides, uh, you know, our... Ibra. Yeah, that... Well, in the Japanese, I don't believe that is true, but I think Destroy All Monsters might be the the only one in, in the Japanese as well. Um, All Monsters Attack as well, I think. I th- well, we'll get to the those and technically eventually. Terror of Mechagodzilla. I, again, I, I, I'm mostly talking about the, the Japanese titles for the film. This one kind of the Japanese has Godzilla in it, but maybe not. It's Sandai Kaiju uh, Juku Saide no Kesen, which means three giant monsters, the greatest battle on Earth. And are those three giant monsters Rodan, Godzilla and Mothra like talking about the team up of them? I think I think they are. So the fact that the American version just focuses on Kira is very interesting to me personally, and especially when you're going through a list of well, and the same thing, like I said, with with Ibra, the uh, <laughs> the horror of the deep. It's it's interesting to be like, wow, they they didn't even get a Godzilla versus in some of those those monster movies. But that's besides the point. Maybe more importantly is. Yeah, what is this monster's name? Because I have heard people with two to three different pronunciations for Ghidorah, which is my pronunciation. Do, do you say Ghidorah, Miles? I do. Um, yeah. And I, I've also heard, you know, Ghidorah and... Ghidorah is the other big one, which is also three syllables. Ghidra, two syllables. We, mm-hmm. we, we have, I think, because of... American translations or American dubs of the film would would use two. And some people think maybe that's because it sounds more like Hydra, Ghidra. But for me, Ghidorah makes the most sense. I think it's what most sounds like in the Japanese. And so I also I picked up the habit to say Ghidorah because of (laughs) this is going to sound funny. The album by MF Dooms. Uh, right. moniker King Ghidorah. And so in my head, I'm, I'm always thinking King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. Like it's a, <laughs> a great one, great album. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. My, my favorite MF Doom album personally. And not just because it's, he's named after Godzilla. They had, had a whole group called the Monster Islands Ours, but that was my favorite project. And I, I had heard before he passed, he was working on a follow up and I would have loved to have heard it. Because that, I mean, if you're a fan of hip hop, definitely seek out 
King Ghidorah because it's it's fantastic. It's a little bit of a, an aside, but I just saw in my handy dandy Godzilla FAQ book by Brian Solomon that there was in the appendix yesterday an, an entry for MF Doom. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny. section I, about I'm, Godzilla songs. My my friend here, uh, my local friend here, who's also a fellow podcaster, I think his I think his friend is the one who wrote that book. Lots of good kaiju books out there that we use for research in addition to, obviously, sites like Wikizilla and, of course, I am. Wikizilla is a wonderful tool. Like, you can get lost in there forever, especially when you start diving into the the lost or unmade film section. Oh, yeah. And they make some all day there. They make some very good YouTube content as well for the the monsters themselves if you're interested in like facts and powers and abilities and things like that those are the best but back to Ghidorah or Ghidorah <laughs> however you'd like to say it Gene Money is I think his preferred uh, <laughs> yes. title this had a lot of different titles of course across the world uh, Monster of Monsters Ghidorah was its original international title though in the United States of course Ghidra, the three-headed monster spelled G-H-I-D-R-A-H. <laughs> so probably the t- where the, the two-syllable pronunciation comes from. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, Germany has the best titles for <laughs> Japanese <laughs> monster movie. Frankenstein's monster in Kampf gegen Ghidra. Frankenstein's monster in battle against Ghidra. <laughs> I feel like I read during one of the lost film books I was reading that... They always seemed to market it in Germany as some sort of Frankenstein relation. Yes. And I had, I don't know if they ever added it into the, any of the dialogue, but like, oh, so often do you see the term Frankenstein in these German adaptations yeah, or these German great. titles? <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. And Ghidra Monstro de Three Cabezas, the monster of three heads, of course, in, in Mexico. <laughs> There's a ton of great titles, and we should probably, as we move on from titles, talk about the monster itself, which um, I, you, you missed one of my favorites. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Go right ahead. The one from Brazil, Ghidra, the Triphallic Monster. <laughs> Tricephalic. Tricephalic. <laughs> so like I know, I know. It's, yeah, tri- Ghidra, the, the Tricephalic Monster. I I think that one's just delightful. The because because of the translation hilarious because of the of the pronunciation I initially gave um because that's the first that pops in my head it's like you see triumphalic and I'm like yes this is great <laughs> he's got three heads he's got two <laughs> tails and how who knows how many of everything else <laughs> um, um yeah let's talk about this monster as you know what before I really got into Godzilla movies I wasn't a big Ghidorah fan I didn't see the appeal i guess as his like main foe i was you know much more into some of the other i guess more standard uh one-to-one like this is a giant pterosaur or this is a giant dinosaur kind of monsters but i've always loved (laughs) Ghidorah. i do in it's his later incarnations because i you know growing up I, i don't think i had access to see the 90s Ghidorah, which is I'm a huge fan of now, and Mecha Ghidorah or whatever he's called, oh, yeah, and Death Ghidorah, um, and all yes. that stuff. 
and of course the the legendary version of it is so good is <laughs> so amazing and gives us some some great memes of the the derpy head which i'm a big fan of i've grown to love him as a character obviously based on a kind of classic japanese monster orochi which is a an eight headed dragon eight headed and i think eight tailed dragon like monster from Japanese antiquity pared it down a bit for for our our space bound kaiju Ghidra in development. I think the original idea was to have him be kind of like multicolored. If you look at the poster art, the original art, which was kind of like artificially colored, even though that is I'm pretty sure the the costume, the the suitmation that we you see in the movie, it's got kind of blue and purple wings and only the main body scales are gold. But I think once they started into production, they realized it wasn't really playing as well, maybe on the camera. So we got kind of one straight gold final version, which I think is very good for like identification purposes, you know, <laughs> and it's a design that stuck since. So it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> And you, you can even tell in this movie, they, they're not entirely sure of his coloration in this one. Like It's golden, but it looks so dirty in half of, of the shots or there's like a shadow over it. So it's not my favorite representation of mm-hmm. Ghidorah. I, I feel like the the next film kind of gives more of the definitive look and, and attitude. Because this is a very straightforward movie in that Ghidorah is essentially being prophesized as this great destruction. There's a lot and of buildup in the film to his eventual, you know, release, I guess. Yeah. And um, I, I, I like the human story. I like, I like the, the, the princess who's being possessed by someone from Venus. It's, it's all of, all of the stuff that I love in classic Honda Showa era Godzilla stuff is like some of these wild plots. Because even though I don't, I don't remember prior to rewatching it for this week's episode, I don't remember a lot of everything else, but the, the bomb scene in the plane is one that I distinctly remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that aspect, I, 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 um, her performance. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the, the main thing from that scene that sticks with me is, why does he have a Shakespearean collar on? Oh, oh, <laughs> that, that was that was the same thing that Krista <laughs> kept pointing out. She's like, I don't understand why they're they're. Well, he's the the only one that we see until later on in the film where we we go to the the country itself. And it's like, was that just what the butler was made to wear? But then you're like, oh no, everyone's got a uh, got one of these bad boys on. Hey, uh, what are they called? It's I like do a, not know. It, it's a a. a a frilled collar that you know of Shakespearean time. It's such an interesting, weird choice. I love it, it so much. I, I think it's what I love. It's such an odd choice, and it it it, it tickles yeah. me to death. I really That's just what they wear in Selgina. That's the style. Half of these half these people came from last week's film. Um, yes, and again, the acting in this movie is is great. I, I think what I appreciate, especially watching these two movies back to back, as I did. The the tone is more consistent in this. It doesn't quite reach, I think, the kind of melodramatic levels that it should when the the possessed princess is giving these prophecies of doom to mm-hmm. warn people. And I, I wish there was a 
I wish they'd written a little bit more and kind of give that a little more oomph. Because I feel I feel like it was la- lacking some sort of punch. Because there's so much about this story that I like. I like the idea of Ghidra being some prophesized doom. He he is one of the very few monsters in Godzilla. I would say in, in Godzilla history, who is depicted almost exclusively, with the with the exception of one film, as pure evil. Most yeah. of these monsters are kind of around wreck and stuff or whatever, but he's he's the first one that is like, this is an evil monster. Yeah, it makes no as much as I love GMK, <laughs> him turning into like a good guy in that movie. It's like, well, what? <laughs> it, yes. it, yeah, it's it's a very fun movie, but yeah, it's it's whiplash if you're a longtime Godzilla fan because that movie's like, wait a minute, wait, wait, Idris the the what now? <laughs> well, the, he's a great villain in that uh, like i said he's built up he's not in the movie doesn't show up until like the 50 minute mark so he's very very similar to kind of the the build up that your main monster gets in in a lot of these films and in a similar fashion we see him kind of you know destroying japan very very early on in his like he just shows up and starts destroying things and there seems to be a couple of notes that may have informed Godzilla King of the Monsters 2016. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because even though they don't comment on it, it seems like both Godzilla and Rodan are zeroing in on Ghidorah's location, mm. which is an element that was used in King of the Monsters to a different degree. Yes, yes. And I also love, because this is not the first time in this Oh, this is the first time it happens in this series. It will not be the last time that Mothra is asking Godzilla and Rodan <laughs> to help out. Yeah. And, and Godzilla and Rodan are both like, nah, we just want to fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> because it happens in in, in uh, Godzilla versus Gigan, except they give them voices. And it's weird. You know, I, th- I was confused by that. I, th- I think I'd confuse that scene with this one as well, because I was like, well, well, maybe it's in the American version that they they do that. But no, in, in both versions, I think that's where Shiro Honda was putting his foot down. It's like, no, the monsters are not going to have voiceovers in this movie. Yes. <laughs> the Shobijin will be speaking for them and we'll make a joke about Godzilla cursing or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I, I thought that how that played out was great because so, yes, the princess who was kind of basically saved from the bombing. Mm-hmm. by this Venus spirit is yeah. now popping up in certain locations and basically prophesizing, you know, don't sail this ship because disaster is coming. And what ha- happens? Godzilla pops up or, hey, clear out the tourism on this volcano, this mountain. And then everyone thinks, oh, she's prophesizing an eruption. And she says, no, <laughs> that's not it. Rodan's coming. And what happens? Homeboy, who's apparently been sleeping in a rock for a while, just yes. pops out. <laughs> and maybe important note, maybe not. This is one of the original Rodan from the 1958 film, Rodan 57. The suit? Well, no, this this is a different suit, but this is supposed to be the same creature. Like it fell into the lava and maybe was encased Oh, yes, 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 yes. Whereas, of course, the Godzilla and the Mothra that are in this movie are not the original Godzilla or Mothra. I love that because there is a conversation. There's this TV show 
that everyone's watching called Where Are They Now? Which uh, to me inv- invokes like has been type things and not current event type things. But yeah, like how do you remember a few years ago when Mothra destroyed that Roselican city? <laughs> Where are they now? Well, so the, the two little boys want to meet Mothra. And so they bring out the the, the twin beauties. The, who, the peanuts in their final film uh, starring as as the Shobajin here. Yeah, and they have this great thing where like, okay, we're going to sing and you you close your eyes and you'll be able to see Mothra. Who is <laughs> yeah. still, still a little baby larvae Mothra, but is the same one from Godzilla vs. Mothra. Yeah, and they, but before that, they break it to the kids like, oh, one of those two died. <laughs> Which <laughs> I, like, thought, I thought happened in the movie, so it's like, I felt like everyone knew I that. I don't remember, like, there's one that definitely took a beating from Godzilla, but they were both spraying the silk string on yeah. Godzilla at the end, but that's sad. It makes me sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I guess... Maybe they just couldn't animate both. Also, of the that, that little that little grub suit or uh, is just adorable. <laughs> it's so cute. It's grown on me. I, I I did not like it originally, but I'm gonna have to grow to love it. It's in a few films. I will appreciate it more than Manila at the very least. I like that it very much looks. I don't know how they were able to do with this, you know, a sideways facing up. It looks like it is angrily talking to Godzilla and Rodan in this movie. <laughs> how they um, did that with puppetry is so. I amazing. love Grumpy Godzilla in this movie. Oh like, yeah, I, I love I love the suit. I love the way he perpetually has stank face, and he, he's he's delightful. He's absolutely delightful as this curmudgeon monster. And yeah. even like, why should we help? The humans always bully us. <laughs> I, oh, I was like, Godzilla, I, what foul language? <laughs> uh, that whole sequence is great. I love it so much. This was, I believe fans call this Mosu Goji 2, the suit, because this is the body of the suit from Mothra versus Godzilla. But they replaced the head, which, as we talked about, broke during the production. Oh, and caught on fire during Mothra versus Gosh. So a couple of things wrong with with it there. You do still see the original head, I think, in the first scene when Godzilla is coming out of the water, I think. But yeah, for the most part, it, it this is a much I like this look a lot better for for Godzilla in this this film. Yeah, um, it's it's. The, the the kind of mid sixties and seventies looks are my my favorite for Godzilla because just it gives him such an expressive little face. Yeah, we we got radio controlled eyeballs, so it is it is both like a mix now of of puppetry as, as well as as suitmation, and obviously something they're going to continue to work on for a lot of the Godzilla movies going into the future. But th- this is the sweet spot, and this probably. If not my favorite, it's probably my one of my top three suits that they they do in this era, this early era. Yeah, I I don't super love the the Rodan suit. I still feel like they oh they no haven't oh, Rodan looks so much. Rodan was very very silly, but Rodan was not a, a favorite in the viewing because it's <laughs> one <laughs> there and like Rodan's just like picking fights. Looks like an like, angry chicken. I do like the scale of Rodan in this. I do like, too. It I looks agree. like, you know, Mothra and, and Mothra versus Godzilla. It looks like it could take on 
Godzilla, Rodan can. So, and it they do. There's actually it seems like more fighting between Godzilla and Rodan in this oh, movie than a hundred percent. And and that fight is an absolute joy to watch. Um, yeah. It is. I mean, at this time. They, they understood the popularity of these monsters with children. So the fight is definitely a little goofier. Oh, the, the, the volleyball. The, oh gosh. <laughs> the, yeah. The, 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 that sequence is wonderful. Uh, <laughs> it, well, not only that, but there's just, there's so, so much stuff going on in these fights. I don't want to play by play it because they are very, very delightful. Yeah. And this is the, the first film that sees the slow transformation of Godzilla from series villain to kind of, reluctant superhero yeah well so in all the movies godzilla less and less has been going to the population centers and you know murdering people i mean he does light that boat up (laughs) oh yeah but for this film a lot of the fighting if not all the fighting happens on the mount fuji set which you know you would think would not be a huge production but is actually one of the largest, you know, miniature kind of sets that they they built in the entire Showa era. It was huge and it was on raised platforms so they can like shoot up at the the monsters. And I guess I don't like it that much because I want something to scale the monsters a little more. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when they're just set against a mountain backdrop, you don't really see that. I, I want, you know superize like trees and things like that to show them kind of stomping through but it, it is I, what I it certainly is agree with that for sure it, and it it, it will see that more and you know destroy all monsters and things like that it works well to have a, a a clear kind of open area where they can fight and i guess the scaling is a lot better than king kong versus godzilla but that's not saying a lot um, yeah obviously haru nakajima is back as godzilla doing better in, in new stuff just about every film that he operates the the suit let's see uh katsumi tezuka did the the mothra prop which like i said was great <laughs> the the back and forth with the prop is watching the rodan and godzilla knock the the rocks back and forth between them there's there's so much expression yeah. they got out of such a a minor prop and there was a team of people that had to operate Ghidorah. Obviously there's so many wires and you know, obviously stuff for each head, the wings moving back and forth, the, the legs, let's see, uh, Masanori uh, Shinohara portrayed Rodan. And like I said, multiple people had to operate Ghidorah. The reason we don't get Mothra in a, uh, a moth form in this movie is because I think they they said they were worried about the wires being crossed between two flying props. So right, <laughs> makes sense, I guess. But I I still wanted to see that happen. It feels like that's kind of like one of the few things that's missing from this movie is to get that transformation from larva to to moth moth rock. I I also honestly really appreciate the kind of slow build. To having Mothra, you know, come out as in in moth form. Well, yeah, I appreciate that in retrospect because we will see that in Invasion of the Astro Monster. Is she in that movie? No, we will mm, see it. I don't in think so. Ibra is, I think, yes. the next time we see Mothra, and it starts as wait, does she start as an egg in that, or is she in a cocoon? 
I think a cocoon, but it's I, been I, so I, long. It's been it's been a, it's been a hot minute, and we haven't gotten that movie yet. <laughs> Gosh, I forget how she starts. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I I do like the kind of continuity between Mothra versus Godzilla and and this one because yeah, I mean besides checking back in on the the Shobajin, it's it's so cool that we got so many kind of returning plot points and. This movie turned out really well for being a, a very rushed film. It is a, a widely known fact that this was rushed to the December 64 movie slate, the, the holiday movie slate, because Kira Kurosawa was having a lot of trouble in finishing his his film Redbeard, which I think would come out in April of 65 afterwards. So it's mm. like... <laughs> four or so months late but this is one of the few calendar years where we get two godzilla movies and to think that also ashiro hondo did dogara in 64 is just crazy you know yeah which i also i think i i I attribute some of the all over the place-ness to dogara's script Mm -hmm. that that that, i feel like that that kind of wild production schedule lends to one of these movies is not going to fare so well in the consistency department. And it's sad that it happens to Dogra because this is a very consistent film. Um, Mm -hmm. It's got a a pretty decent plot. It's not that there's some, you know, there is some silly things. I feel like the assassins going after the princess, just weird. (laughs) Yes, it's they're just weird. The, the, The whole, the whole, like, because part of them are like, okay, let, let's kill her because she might one day get her memory back, or like, let's just like just do this just in case. To they're they're grilling her, and by grilling her, they're actually helping her get her memory back. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why it's like they were ready to kill her when she was the princess, <laughs> but now that she's either feigning or actually has some kind of amnesia <laughs> yeah, split and, personalities and, they're like oh well we won't have to kill her now yosuke uh natsuki has the distinction of playing a competent detective this time <laughs> yeah uh, in, in shindo and i i actually really liked his character i i mean i think all these characters were solid i think the reason i i often ding this one is just it's not an extremely exciting plot for the very reasons i said i wish they'd kind of beefed up some of that I don't see why 2 ness but that 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 prophecies of doom aspect. Yeah, and yeah. I you've wish- got the showbiz in there. I feel like they probably could have been utilized even more than they were. That you know, a lot of the times they're relegated to just being interpreters <laughs> for the monsters. Well, in this well there's movie. there's that, but also Homegirl doesn't mention Ghidorah until the like the third prophecy. It's like okay, if if you know that things are gonna go down a certain way. Don't bury the lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it kind of seems like, oh, well, maybe she doesn't know, but she says, oh, yeah, Ghidorah destroyed my planet. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, that and, and the led with that one. The Shobajin are always reticent to share their gift of precognition because they don't want to influence events, but they seem to clearly believe her before most people do, which is why they don't, when she says, do not get on this ship. They don't get on that ship because they're like, yeah, yeah, she's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the plots kind of seem smashed together a little bit. And all of our main characters kind of get together towards the end. 
and they just seem to be spectators for the wrestling match <laughs> that is the I end mean, of this movie. Uh, I mean, nine times out of ten, that's that's gonna be the humans. <laughs> Like well, role is we are gonna watch. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll watch the destruction and and have I mean, some reactions. If, if there to were it. two monsters, like what 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 else are they gonna do? Just pop some popcorn and kick back. Well, we've got a review, baby. A classic Daikaiju kind of wrap up to the the assassination attempt in the I think I forget if it's Ghidorah or Godzilla, but one of them destroys the mountainside and collapses a whole bunch of rocks on. And- on the the princesses would be assassin <laughs> and two, two movies in a row that someone gets wily e. coyote what's <laughs> <laughs> so funny the the rock slide one of the prop rocks you think it's just gonna hit him but he actually catches the rock as he falls off the cliff <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very cartoony there it's it's very it's very funny uh, the the monster fight with Ghidorah is not bad it's not the best that they'll do, but it's a pretty decent one. There are some moments where I'm like, this does feel like a wrestling match, especially when like in, in the prior fight where Godzilla basically tombstones Rodan and oh, that was a, awesome. There's a scene where Ghidorah shoots Godzilla in the crotch and he has a reaction. It's like, what oh yeah, also get shot works? in the also get shot in the butt. And that <laughs> one was hilarious. Yeah, some very much you can tell the some of the choreography and direction is influenced by Japanese wrestling at the time. It's it's a fun movie in all, but that ending is probably one of the reasons. And you know the the poster selling the the four wave monster battle. One of the reasons this is one of the highest grossing of the the era, one of the most attended uh, of the the Godzilla movies, and probably one of the reasons we would get what eight more sequels <laughs> in in the next oh, yeah. decade for sure i mean this one did very very well it leads into what some people and by some people i mean me consider to be one of the kind of defining showa era kaiju films mm-hmm. and I, I i and this this is interesting because like there's no you know a monster that isn't pre- pre- presumed dead like you know Ghidorah yeets off in back into space. Yeah, for some reason I thought he he died in this movie. Or I did not remember him just being like, all right, literally just flies away and doesn't even show him flying in space. It's just so there's some kind of flying away. Well, <laughs> I, I guess, think we're supposed to inter in, infer that he's he's going back into space because they say he's yeah. from space. Yeah, but yes, and obviously that will be continued. The next time we'll we'll see him. But yes, that was that was interesting to me. Like they win, like the good monsters just win, <laughs> and they, they pull out this this dope pose. Because at first you're like unsure, because like okay, he flew away. Is there gonna be more of this movie? And like when they're all kind of given their little victory pose, watching you know Ghidorah, just, you know, scamper off. It's it's such a joy. Like that mm-hmm. that that that's a, that's a degree of of silliness that I absolutely love. But at the same time. It's it's like I was saying before, th- there is so much to enjoy about this movie, but they're the things that I, for me don't 100% land, keep it from being like it's a good movie, but it keeps it from being a great movie. Yeah. Well, do, do you have a a major part of this work that uh, uh, this film that didn't work for you? Well, like as I was saying, I, I wish they had kind of redone how the prophecies were, were coming out. I, I really wanted 
some end times type feelings, and which is how they've kind of done Ghidorah since. Yeah, yeah, especially in the and, legendary film. Um, I I wish that the the princess subplot had not felt as muddied. There, mm-hmm. there is there like there's some good action with what everyone is doing. I really like the idea of the reporter and her brother being the cop, and they're having a very very sibling re- relationship. That was a a new thing for for <laughs> I think these movies, and it worked really well for me. But yeah, I think that. While there was some good stuff in the plot portion, I, I felt that there was there was a lack of meat in some of the human plot that I really wish had been brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because I, I you know was reading you know Honda's feelings about it, and because he was he still to this day is uncomfortable. Not, was not anymore, <laughs> but, you know, if um, he was alive, I'm sure he would still feel the same way. Yeah, well, he said he was uncomfortable with the decision to anthropomorphize the monsters. And said that I used the peanuts as Mothra's interpreters, but even that was something I had to force myself to do. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I, I personally like having the peanuts as the interpreters. I think that makes sense because they seem to. I think one guy was like, what are they saying? What are you, what are you looking at me for? I don't speak monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get these six inch tall psychic <laughs> creatures to to translate they do speak monster this is uh, i can I, understand I, this is coming out you know uh, i mean over 20 years almost the 20 year anniversary of or 10 year anniversary of the original godzilla movie and it's a good anniversary film i think the other thing that doesn't work for me while while we're talking about it mm-hmm. is the how they characterize the princess in Mm. in terms of when she's, I I don't understand why she kind of, I I don't know if maybe the, 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 the Venus spirits could articulate their feelings because she just kind of kept saying I'm from Venus and (laughs) clearly doesn't have access to the memories of the person she's inhabiting. But I I wish that part had been, had been written just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Some of that stuff just came off as very one dimensional for me. Yeah, and, I, I kind of wish we got the princess before she was taken over by the Venusian spirit, you know, a little bit more because we, we could see her a little bit at the end of the movie after she's already shaken it. But for the most part, well, I mean, the the actress who we, we talked about last week played her, I think, very well. Kiko uh, Wakabayashi. Fantastic actress. And she I don't think had a, that her acting was the problem. Oh no, definitely not. She had she had it down pat. I think in reading some of the 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 things about the production of this, one of the ideas she had was to play the character not as like necessarily amnesiac, but as someone you know who was not there or like not in the scene. So she said she would try not to make like eye contact with the the other actors in the scene to to kind of make her character feel ethereal or you know like a prophetess you know like someone that is is channeling energy from from another realm i think she did great some of the i mean (laughs) apparently it was just a a choice that a shiro honda made based on the actress's actual fashion but she saw or a shiro honda saw akiko walking around the toho lot in men's clothing or you know kind of like adapted men's fashion and decided to put that in the movie (laughs) just to allow her to kind of wear the same thing 
in in the film. Yeah, and this is um, this is I guess now three years before because you know we were mentioning the Bond stuff. She is the Bond girl in Aki in You Only Live Twice. Yes, and I, I don't think we mentioned it last week, but I don't think we did either. She. Yeah, she would eventually get on that movie, and I think originally she had a larger speaking role in You Only Live Twice and was feeling very self-conscious, so she traded with the actress that was in that role and became the more, you know, quiet Bond girl that that she eventually does in, in that film. And yeah, yeah, she's probably best known for that. But I was I was very happy to see her in, in both of these these Shiro Honda movies. She was great. She was yeah, wonderful. I in, in I thought Dora. she was fantastic. Honestly, one of the better actresses I think from these movies. I think she 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 brings she carries herself like a star in mm-hmm. a way that I don't see in a lot in terms of the 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 women characters in these films well yes i mean we should mention she was in king kong versus godzilla as the sister or or, or the the husband they just don't give her enough in that movie that, yeah that is such a a minor kind of part of that story it's i mean it might as well not be there unfortunately yeah and so, yeah, I, 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 I think all the actors in this film were, were excellent. You know, the ones who were, were in Dogra continue to be just excellent actors. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very fun little Godzilla film. I think it's, it's certainly more fun than King Kong versus Godzilla. I think there is more monster mayhem than Mothra versus Godzilla or Godzilla. Yeah. Mothra versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Mothra. I can't remember mm-hmm. how it's. Mothra vs. Godzilla. I will say though, and this this might have something to do with why the film or, or d- the fact that Honda made three films in this year. Some of Ghidorah's attacks on the city don't look amazing. They look mm-hmm. good, but I, I felt like they they came in at budget with his lightning. Yeah, you know it. It's I think it was originally supposed to be a different effect like maybe fire breathing or something like that, but it, it became too, you know, I don't know, dangerous or, or cost prohibitive. So they decided to do an electricity beam in post. And I agree with you. I think they, they do it better, obviously in other movies, but for the first time here, I, th- I thought a lot of it holds up. We don't see, unfortunately, a large scale destruction scene. I, I think mm-hmm. it destroys a couple of, of landmarks like the Tokyo radio tower. But I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed some of the, the bits and bobs of the, the lightning just kind of blowing buildings uh, apart. <laughs> oh, I enjoy it too. But if you're asking me like, you know, what doesn't work? Yeah. That's something that I'm going to, I'm going to bring up. I kind of wish we would so much got of a, it does. a scene of the prop landing on some of those buildings to show the scale and then mm-hmm. going on to destroy. They are kind of disjointed in a way that detracts from the main reason why I like to see Daikaiju films is I like to see the monsters really scaled well with the, the, the buildings, whether they be miniatures or CGI or what have you. And, you know, if you just go back a few years for Rodan, where they actually have a human in a suit on wires, you know, descending and crushing buildings. It's like, it's such a, uh, a, a step down to do it this way, a little, a little different right. this way. I, I cannot believe it, but I read this note before I watched the movie. 
Godzilla doesn't use his atomic fire against Ghidorah in this movie. I believe it's used weakly against Rodan early on, but for some reason yeah, they just decided against yeah. it. I don't know why. Like creatively, they decided not to do that. But if I was going to change anything, that's one thing I would change is I would love to see, you know, a scene we would eventually get where they are shooting their energy attacks against one another and, and you know, doing some some major damage. Godzilla as a grumpy heroic villain, though, works very well. In oh, a hundred percent. This film works so well. I, yeah. I very much enjoy him as the reluctant hero. I mean, eventually, yeah, he becomes pretty much, you know, the hero. But I, I, I really love him as like just this curmudgeon. <laughs> Uh, and this... I love that he's just like, oh, the humans bully us as if you didn't show up and like wreck an entire city. <laughs> yeah, I love his, him and Rodan. Their first response is, I, I don't care if the humans die. It, it's like, I guess, <laughs> I don't know if, if like a child came up to you and it's like, did you know that someone is outside stepping on ants right now? And it's like, uh. Okay, so what do you want? Me, you want me to stop them? I don't really care, right? Yeah, it's the, that's their their main reaction. Mothra is like, guys, really, no. The the humans are cool. Trust me, they're okay. <laughs> we got to save them. <laughs> yeah, I do feel Rodan gets a little bit of a, a short shrift compared to the other three characters in this movie, but I I do love when they all all get together at the the end. Oh, absolutely. This is probably the best of the earlier show up, I would say. And I think the film that you can most easily put on like in the background and watch and, you know, do something else as, as you enjoy it. If you want to listen to the, the dubbed version that is, but it's very watchable in with subtitles and, and digging into the, the story. And I will agree with you. Much less of a, a mess of a script than our Dokura from from last week. Yes, I, I don't know if I like this more or less than Mothra versus Godzilla, but yeah, let's let's get into to rating this one, Miles. All right, so all right, I think I think I'm I think I'm ready. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was I was struggling with my ratings for a little bit, but I, I think I'm I'm pretty happy with with where it is right now. So, yeah, now comes the time where we are going to rate this film. Patrick and myself use a one to ten point scale to individually look at personal enjoyment, technical and aesthetic elements of the film and the emotional and evocative responses that this generates as a piece of art. We then combine those scores to get one number. And that is the podcast rating for the film. So, Patrick, uh, walk us through how you feel about this film personally. So, like I said, very watchable. It is one of the earlier Showa films that I think really does survive the best is like the last vestiges of Godzilla being kind of a, you know, a, a, a villain of sorts. And transitionally, it works very much as a, a film like in a series. So like I said, I kind of do enjoy that we don't see Mothra. All of a sudden, you know, in butterfly form, but it's a, a, a gradual kind of kind of thing. I I think this is probably one of the early 60s, most Godzilla of Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. 
And I enjoyed this more, I would say, than, I don't know, maybe the same scale as King Kong versus Godzilla, but not as much as Mothra versus Godzilla. I still think that one might be, <laughs> might be one of my favorites. It really does a good mix of, uh, of, you know, kind of the silly and some of the, the serious aspects. <laughs> Godzilla coming for the crooked businessman, <laughs> you know, like marching towards. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so that, good. It's pretty great. We don't get a good scene like that. We get a lot of intramonster, you know, kind of. Of scenes, but anyway, for enjoyment, just from a personal point of view, I gave this an eight out of ten, which I'm realizing I liked it. Dagora, I, I gave it a higher rating last week, and I think that stands. I think I did enjoy that movie a little bit more. This is a great Godzilla movie, though, and don't let my non-perfect score deter you from from watching this one. I think I need to watch this a few more times to to really get into. Ghidorah <laughs> as as a film. So I also gave this one an eight. I think it's a an extremely enjoyable top tier Showa era kaiju film. There's something about it. Like I said, I, I wish they had kind of amped up the the doom prophecy. Uh, I wish that there was a little bit more monster action peppered throughout the film because it feels like it all happens in the third act. Oh yeah, and but still uh, a very a, a tight script, great acting. A good, generally good human story. And that's something we're going to probably be commenting on more and more is like, you know, because you're going to have the human story that sometimes directly coincides with the monster stuff. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but a pretty decent human story. But at the same time, yeah, it's not my favorite Ghidorah film. It's not my favorite Showa era. But it is the first introduction to an extremely beloved and classic monster. And it's a very, very fun entry. So yeah, I, I, I'm happy giving it an eight because it's certainly not perfect. It's, it's on the, the higher end of good, but not quite great. So I would say it's a very low eight for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about low or high eight, but it's an eight from, from us both. Do you have a, a favorite moment or a favorite scene from, the, from the film? I, I mean, G Godzilla and Rodan's back and forth is is pretty pretty excellent, and and then obviously I I know that Honda doesn't love it, but the scene where the Shobajin are translating <laughs> the conversation between Mothra, Godzilla, and Rodan is priceless. Classic. I I very much enjoyed yeah Rodan and Godzilla's fight. It, I this is more a Rodan versus a Godzilla movie with the introduction of Ghidorah, but him. Rodan dropping Godzilla on the power <laughs> lines. It looks like it's a straight crotch shot as well. Yeah. Godzilla take, crotch takes a lot of damage in this film. It, it's so good. As far as the technical aspects of this movie, it, it's so funny. I feel like two steps forward, maybe a step back in they're doing more and more amazing things with the, the elements of the wire work for, for Ghidorah. And I think the suit is suit work. The suitmation is, is getting higher. But yeah, like you said, maybe some of the, the, the layering of those effects was not as good as, as some, some previous films. So I don't know. I gave this a nine out of 10 for the, the technical element. And I do feel like the Subaraya effects are still kind of gaining in a lot of ways, budgetary, mm -hmm. maybe time 
caused this not to get a perfect score. Whereas I, I feel like past films got, got maybe a, a little better shape, shape up from, from their, their usage. Uh, what about you? So for, yeah, for the technical aspects, because I had some problems with the script and because, yeah, I felt like there was a couple of budgetary choices that impacted or, or at least constrained the filmmakers a little bit. Uh, Ghidorah's attack on the city felt a little underwhelming to me. It's cool. It looks awesome. Ghidorah looks awesome, but it, for some reason, it, it, it doesn't, it didn't stick with me in the way that I've seen other attacks by Ghidorah stick with me. And so I, I'm giving it an eight because it's certainly a polished flick. It's extremely fun. The special effects generally are delightful, but there are a couple little things here and there. And then, like I said, I had some script problems that yeah. kind of knock it for me. But otherwise, still a, a solid movie. Yeah, scripts is usually never these movie strong points, but I, I feel like the acting made up for a lot of the pitfalls of the script, maybe where the Dagora, it did not <laughs> right. fun, but not, not well, well crafted in that respect. As far as where this stands as an evocative piece of art in Kaiju cinema, the emotional response it generates. I gave this one very high marks and, and my highest score for it. I think this is up there as a 10 because even more so than the versus movies, this is our first monster bash. This movie, even more so than King Kong versus Godzilla or, or, or something similar, I feel like stands out in the the greater Kaiju Eja kind of canon as as being super super important. Not even to mention, you know, the introduction of the most popular villain of of the series even discounting that you know it's the first one where we have like team ups we have the the marvel style of like the two <laughs> allies first fighting one another as enemies and we have like the first kind of <laughs> alien interaction in the the story as well there's just so many different elements that we're going to see reiterated in in movies after this mm -hmm. i feel like this was super influential and you know besides the fact this was one of the most popular of the showa era films and for good reason i, I think it it deserves a lot of its its high marks what about you so i i was back and forth on giving this a nine or a ten and i think the reason i don't give it a ten is because I feel like in everyone's memory, <laughs> it's the sequel that's a little bit more impactful mm -hmm. in terms of what it did for the character and what it did for kaiju cinema. That said, this is still a landmark moment in kaiju history because you're, yeah, you're introducing one of the greatest monster villains in film history and one that, you know, is still used today is still as popular as he's ever been. And so it's it's tough for me to call on that one. I Part of me feels like it deserves the 10 for that reason, but also because I feel like the real influence comes from his second appearance. For me, that I, I struggle going, but I, I keep going back and forth on a 9 or a 10. So I'm I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. For Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy giving it a 9 for, for that reason. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. That brings your score to a little above an eight, <laughs> a light eight, and, and mine as a nine. And as far as the podcast goes, I think that will bring it to a light nine for our combined scores. Okay. Like eight eight point six six, somewhere in there. I feel like that's pretty fair for both our enjoyment and where we think this movie sits. That is up there with, of course, Mothra, which we've, we've already done, and Mothra versus Godzilla. And I think that that makes sense. Yeah, not I'm pretty not I'm, I'm not unhappy with the choice. <laughs> I do wish that I don't know. I, I wish this movie just had the right punch for me. Like, I, I still have a great <laughs> time with it. It's it's a I mean, clearly I gave it an eight. It's a. When I talk about these movies for the show, I'm, I'm being overtly, I don't want to say academic, but I'm being overtly critical because I want to like approach it from, you know, all angles. And, <laughs> yeah. and so even movies that I have watched again, you know, like this one, I've watched this movie plenty of times and I will continue to watch this movie plenty of times. But if I'm just being, you know, extremely critical, that, that's why. And I, because I want to, ha- I want there to be a, a certain, I don't want to say standard, but I I, I want to look at these through all the through the same lens, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I I can't like talk about the the perfect ten that Gojira is and give it a different scale when we're judging all these kaiju movies on kind of the kaiju cinema scale. So mm-hmm. I felt like nine is a is a good one for the two of us. It's it's yeah it's just it's an it's an odd duck movie <laughs> for me because like it's. It's so fun, but at the same time, it has these things that keep me from like full on loving it. And it's a weird, it's a weird feeling to have. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is, is a, is a good Godzilla movie. It's not a great kaiju movie. Maybe if that's yeah. a, yeah, example. I think that, that might be, that might be it. There, there are worse movies that I enjoy more if that makes sense. <laughs> Well, that and like, I mean, I think of where we were, you know, a month or so ago, and I'm still counting my blessings. <laughs> yeah, well, a couple months if this if this was amongst the 50s black and white films that we we uh, did the last season, or you know, even <laughs> even going back as <laughs> far back as Reptilicus. What did we give? We gave Reptilicus a five, so this is definitely four points higher than. Yeah, we, we're definitely we're definitely in a land where being above a five is generally a baseline, and I'm happy with that because there was a while that it was twos and threes and oh, dark <laughs> dark times, dark times. So that is going to do it for this week's episode. So be sure to follow us on Kaiju versus History on Twitter. Email us with any comments, concerns, or kaiju facts at kaijuversushistory at gmail.com. And go to kaijuversushistory.com to get ready for the next installment of our march through the annals of monster movie mayhem. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you, listeners. And we will catch you all next time when all of Germany is excited because it's finally time for Dr. Frankenstein's monster to go on the loose. That's right. Tune in next week for History versus Frankenstein Conquers the World. 